on America Can We Talk. I talk about election integrity, border security, health care freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Coming up next, America Can We Talk with your host, Debbie Georgianos. And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. Okay, we, in this studio, I can't see what you see. That's okay. Hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgianos. Today in our show, I want to talk about Blinken spills Biden's China beans. I love alliteration. You get the bees in there, Blinken, Biden's beans. It's a really good story, though, an important story. Uh, and then we have a wonderful guest joining us in the studio, Trevor Loudon. He has joined us in the past um, at least twice, and he is an, just an enormously uh, important, consequential thinker, uh, really in America and the world, on the subject of how communism and communist thinking and ideology are spread throughout the world and is particularly uh, spread into America, uh, into places of power. So, so great that he's in the studio today. And I don't think I'll probably get to my last two topics, but just in case I do, uh, my last two topics are Hunter plea deal um, versus Trump show trial. Uh, honest to goodness, it's the most amazing thing. And uh, more on the fall of America, a little bit of follow-up of the New York City subway hero case. Uh, and that likely you are maybe aware, it is a the case in which a gentleman stepped in to protect fellow um, riders on the subway and to stop someone who was really deranged and ended up being uh, himself uh, arrested. So we'll talk about that if we get to it. Otherwise, if you don't get to it today, uh, I'll get to them tomorrow. So um, starting with um, Blinken spills Biden's China beans. The short story is there was a, um, a meeting in China and, you know, we've talked about China many times on this show. We will be talking about China more and more. Um, but there was a... Um, in China, a meeting uh, between Blinken, uh, Secretary of State Blinken. I actually, I always have to look up because he just seems so unserious as a Secretary of State. I have to double check. That's his job, but it really is. He's a Secretary of State uh, and is over in China. And he made headlines because there was a, a statement he made that um, many people found alarming or off-putting, but we are going to talk, uh, I'll tell you a few things, I think, and, and then also we'll be talking with Trevor Loudon about that. But the short story is, uh, while in China, um, he was speaking with Xi Jinping, as well as other officials, and he gave a little press conference afterward, and I, we couldn't get the audio to work to play for you, so I'm just going to read you the important portion of what he had to say, and that was, quote, this is American policy coming out of U.S. Secretary of State, uh, Antony Blinken. And he, by the way, it is Antony, A-N-T-O-N-Y, that's his name. Anyway, his comment was, we do not support Taiwan independence. We do not support Taiwan independence. And, you know, we, I want to call your attention, if you uh, didn't happen to see this show, uh, we did, I actually looked up to tell you when it was, was March uh, 2nd of this year, March 2nd of 2023. Uh, I had an a enormously um, 
informed, well-informed expert on the show um, named Brad Thayer. And I asked the question because he's so aware of American foreign policy. Why is everyone so focused on whether or not China takes over Taiwan? You know, there's obviously huge tension. Why is he so focused on that? What difference does it really make? And we may get into some depth with our guest today on that point, but I urge you to go back and listen to that because this isn't like, um, you know, the aggression of, you know, uh, just any two random nations. It is the strategic importance of where Taiwan sits as it sits next to China. And it's also been over over time uh, in America, we have been viewed as the uh, entity America on the national on the international stage is kind of saying, you know, we're going to uh, try to protect Taiwan from China's aggression. Much more to it, uh, what Taiwan produces and, the, and the, the need America has for what Taiwan produces. And um, so it's just a um, it's a very consequential statement by Blinken. He's and and the analogies are being made. You know when uh, he who occupies the White House announced that uh, if a, a minor incursion into the Ukraine isn't really going to merit American response, that's pretty close to what uh, Joe Biden said. He who occupies the White House said is essentially a minor incursion into Ukraine will not merit an American response. So Putin takes this as the Russian president takes this. Oh, green light, I can go in. And so he did, and now we're in this mess with the Ukraine and Russia and trying to decide how to handle that. In a similar vein, the concern is that what Blinken may be signaling is, go ahead, China, take down Taiwan, just go ahead and invade. There's been a lot of aggression between them. And you know, so there's that aspect of just the, what, what's the president really doing? Is, is President Biden, Biden um, is he signaling China he really doesn't mind at all? Is he, or we, don't def we won't defend ourselves? And you know, in a little bit of context, I want to turn to our guest soon because he's deeply well informed, and and so many things we can be talking about. But um, a couple other points about Blinken and China and Taiwan. You may recall when uh, Blinken first uh, became Secretary of State, there was a meeting early on in the uh, Biden administration, a meeting between Blinken and some high-level officials in China, uh, from China in Alaska. And the basic discussion that emerged and the media reported on was that Blinken kind of looked like a schoolboy. He wasn't really quite ready for the aggression of the Chinese. Uh, negotiators and they were very mocking of America. They were talking about America and our mistreatment of Black Lives Matter, you know, alleged mistreatment of Americans who are black because otherwise why would Black Lives Matter exist? Obviously you have huge problems in your country and um, so Blinken had um, that headed up that meeting and really ended up looking pretty battered and, fool, and, and foolish uh, in the eyes of many people because of the way he just seemed like he wasn't up for the job. So that's one aspect is that as, as who, if Blinken's up for the job. Second aspect is America's relationship to China. And as we've been talking about many times on this show, and we in fact have had Sam Faddis, a, an enormously uh, consequential expert, uh, former CIA guy, um, who says it's his opinion that Joe Biden is a controlled asset of China. Meaning not just that he, uh, Joe Biden might be a little bit more sympathetic to China as other presidents have been, or more than others have been, but that he actually is a controlled asset due to the many millions of dollars that have flowed from the CCP from China through various entities and channels all the way to the Biden family. Just last week, Representative James Comer said, um, announced that they believe the bank records they now hold, the Biden family bank records will show that somewhere between 30 and $50 million 
funds flowed from the Chinese CCP to the Biden family. So in the middle of that backdrop, where more people are starting to question, is Biden a controlled asset? Is he actually able to function independently as president? You have his secretary of state zipping over to China to, in, in the words of one of the American representatives, or actually a former State Department person under Trump, just basically saying, if we were trying to signal weakness, we couldn't have done any better. We signaled weakness. We signaled, ah, go ahead. We're not going to do a darn thing about it. And the strategic uh, impact of China taking over Taiwan is not just China taking over Taiwan. It's a much bigger picture. Um, I do want to, um, I do want to have, uh, I sent to Mr. Mueller, yeah, I have a quick map. I, you know, I love maps. Like my favorite thing in life is I love maps. Quick map to put up. And I wanted to put that up. And if you're, if you're just listening and you can't see the show, I'll just tell you that there is a, a map which I like to display because it gives a little bit of context. So China is the very large blob in the uh, upper left corner, uh, taking up an upper quarter of this picture. You know, enormous country. Uh, Taiwan is that little tiny island, very close. Um, but then surrounding that, I mean, you just really get a sense of how close things are over there. You can see Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand. You can see the Philippines. Uh, so you see how close, and you see uh, off to the um, East, uh, you see North and South Korea, uh, and then Japan, not very far from that. So we're, you can come back. I just want people to recognize this is all close in stuff and the consequences of having people, uh, of having the leadership of China, Xi Jinping, feel he's kind of made the point that I control Biden and he's not going to stop me no matter what I want to do. Biden seems to be uh, seems to be a true story, um, and then you have this statement by Blinken. It is causing alarm among serious leaders in this world, serious pundits and thinkers. You know who's going to essentially stop the aggression of China if we send this signal? I could do much more on this, but I want to uh, have a chance to turn to our guest. So that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. So we have uh, a wonderful guest in the studio. I love when I have guests in the studio because we really have a just a great conversation in person. Uh, this Trevor Loudon is joining us, and I'll just say about Trevor Loudon. Um, he spoke last night um, at a function. I was uh, honored and, and enjoyed introducing him. Uh, it was a large meeting and introduced him. And I will tell you, the people in the room are pretty much spellbound because what he does and what he's going to share with you is his actual research into what it, it is that China does in terms of China and Russia, going hearkening back when Russia was more prominent communist power, how they spread their power, how they spread their ideology, how much of communism is actually right under our fingertips here in America. And so, uh, and, and then what that means for America's safety and security in the future. So welcome to the show, Trevor Laden. Hi, Trevor. Oh, it's great to be on. Thanks for having me, Debbie. Good to see you again. Good to see you, sir. And I so enjoy this. You know, um, I have this bio and it would take too long to read the whole thing. But I'll quickly tell you, we're gonna, I'm going to have him tell you the story in just a moment um, about how he got tuned into the question of whether or not, uh, of, of how Russia at the time functioned in, in using its power and influence to take over uh, countries, to sway the internal politics of countries, uh, to sway. And then it really wasn't pressuring on elected officials and government power so much as swaying the people into viewing things differently. 
uh, in, in short summary. So he's obviously got this great New Zealand accent, which is one reason it's fun to have him on. But beside that, he is really a, an internationally renowned expert on these topics. He basically researches the radical left, Marxist and terrorist movements, and their covert influence and in mainstream politics. Uh, he's the author of a bunch of books. I have a few of them here we're going to talk about. Uh, he's a filmmaker, um, which we're going to talk about his films as well. He's a prolific writer and filmmaker, basically trying to wake the world up to the influence of communism uh, around the world. They continued effort to spread communism. So I'm going to start with, because I start off on Blinken. Um, I <laughs> anyway, I'm Mr. Blinken, Secretary Blinken. Um, I want to ask you, what is your reaction to Blinken's statement? And you don't have, I I'm obviously am critical of him, but whatever it is you think, I'd love to have you share your views on Blinken um, and what he said, and, and then more broadly, how bad is it to, for the world if China decides to become aggressive toward Taiwan? Well, I don't think it'll just be Taiwan, but I think Taiwan will be a, a first step, maybe. But look, Blinker, you know, you, you said before, Biden gave Putin the green light to go into Afghanistan. He said a limited incursion would not warrant an American response. So Putin went in. Now, right now, there's, there's been long-standing American policy to say that, that there is a one-China policy, that Taiwan really belongs to China. But America has stated in the past that they will defend China if China, you defend Taiwan if, America, if China tries to force Taiwan into a union with China. Well, Blinken went over there and he did say that. He said that we would uh, defend against an extraordinary, you know, uh, aggression or whatever. But the emphasis was we do not support Taiwan's independence. That was the message the whole world heard. And that's the message that will be just uh, the Chinese, communist Chinese leadership will be high-fiving themselves all, all day over that one. So, so I think we can expect uh, in the very short term um, in a Chinese attack or at least a blockade on Taiwan. Now, you saw the map just before. It's not just Taiwan. Taiwan, I think, produces something like 60% of the world's semiconductors. But you, you saw the map. You saw Taiwan is in the South China Sea. You saw the Spratly Islands a little bit to the south of that, just near the Philippines, which are now Chinese bases. They have actual bases. They built islands out of, out of the ocean to, to make bases there. China will, will pretty much control the South China Sea. So who supplies Japan? How does Japan get all its raw materials? How does South Korea get all its raw materials? They all come through the South China Sea. That's an incredibly strategic choke point. Giving Taiwan to China will, will basically cause extreme panic in, in Japan, extreme panic in um, South Korea, and we may see South Korea and Japan throwing their lot in with China just as a matter of survival. So this affects, it's same, it also has impact on Australia, the Philippines, Indonesia. It alters the whole balance of power in the region. This is about changing the balance of power in favor of Russia, China, and Iran, and away from America and its uh, and its remaining allies, which will get less and less and less <laughs> if this continues. So this is extremely serious. As, as Trump said, if, if America wanted to project weakness on the world stage deliberately to um, 
to appease China, to grovel to China, they couldn't have done a better job. It is the most amazing thing. I do want to um, talk about, you, you talk about the raw materials being blocked. Can you, I know that uh, you made some allusion to it, but the raw materials, you're talking about the manufacture of things, uh, the mining and manufacture of things in Taiwan that basically go to really important uh, electronics, right? Yeah. Yeah. 60% of the world's semiconductors. I think uh, South Korea does the bulk of the rest of it. Japan is an incredibly important manufacturing hub. And neither Japan or South Korea, uh, or Taiwan for that matter, have their own oil reserves. All of their oil reserves come through the South China Sea from the Middle East. So you can control that region. You can starve out three of the most powerful economies in the world. Just, just right there. That's, that is game-changing stuff. And I do not think for one moment, that. T but I'll tell you this, I don't think for one moment Taiwan is the real target. I think the real target is Hawaii and the west coast of the United States. Target? That's what I target. target. I, I think China will not attack. China doesn't want to take Taiwan. China wants to attack America. But chi Taiwan will be used as a flashpoint. Okay, this is, it is alarming, but it is the kind of thing I was hoping to hear from you and, and, and really be able to explore with you. Because I do think, and I mentioned earlier uh, in my little intro about how Brad Thayer did this uh, summary very quickly a few months ago about why Taiwan is so important, but is against a backdrop of what we've been discussing and I want to have you talk about more today, uh, which is China has a very aggressive uh, plan toward taking becoming the world's single superpower, really taking down America. And yeah. I think for many people who hear this, well, what do we care? China and Taiwan, that's the other side of the world, doesn't bother us, doesn't doesn't hurt us. You know, I, I want to talk about, you know, oil prices. I, I want to talk about some other topic, you know. But the concept that this action of China taking over Taiwan emboldens them and that they actually may, really not may, they do have designs on America this signaling to China that we're weak and we won't stand up to you in Taiwan signals them, it kind of green lights them or encourages their aggression yeah. toward America. Well, you look, you look at it, what a, what a difference an election makes. Yeah. When President Trump was in power, Putin was in his box, Xi was in his box, um, Iran were under control. And uh, Rocket Boy was in his box too. Okay, Rocket Boy being the, Rocket the, the, the leader of North Korea. I was being a little flippant there. No, I so love it. We, 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 we all yeah. know who Rocket Boy is. But right now, so Rocket Boy is firing missiles over Japan. We have the massive war in Ukraine. We have a potential war in the Pacific very soon. Um, a potential war between China and India. A potential invasion of South Korea by North Korea. And we mustn't forget the large number of Chinese military age nationals coming across the southern border. And this is what we got to understand. If we get in a shooting war with Taiwan, I believe that China has hundreds, if not thousands, of military officers in this country getting ready to poison reservoirs, assassinate public officials, blow up, um, destroy energy infrastructure, the whole lot. One thing we can guarantee, if war break breaks out in the Pacific, it will be also on the American homeland. China are planning to attack the American homeland from outside and from the inside. 
I'm very glad you raised that. We've talked about in the show, as you might imagine, being in Texas, uh, many, many times we have people who are down at the border trying to, at first they were just monitoring all of the uh, terrorist organizations coming across, monitoring all of the human traffickers and drug traffickers and, uh, you know, Mexican cartel and gang members. But there have been reports, and we had a great in-depth report from uh, Christy Hutcherson of Women Fighting for America, that there are military-aged Chinese men, single men, not families who may happen to have Chinese descent, actually military-aged men from China in the hundreds crossing the southern border. They actually are gathering in, in South America, in Nicaragua. I don't know where it is. They're yeah, gathering and, in South and America. They're coming across the Darien Gap in Panama, the, the area where there are no roads, where you have to actually go through the jungle. And they're coming through that in their hundreds. And by the hundreds. And she was talking about these caravans that now seem to be just making their way to the American southern border. They include, I mean, they are inserting, someone is inserting these Chinese military age men, single men, into those kind of caravans, marching in pretty much unopposed because we don't have a southern border. So this notion that China's acting aggressively, Blinken is kind of saying, oh, go ahead and take them on, we're not going to stop you. And the concept of China putting troops in on American soil. I mean, it seems like one of those things you read about later when America has been taken down by China and said, why didn't we stop this sooner? How do, how do we get here? Yeah, look, it's just amazing, isn't it, that uh, this isn't front page news every day. But Michael Yon, who is a very credible military reporter, has been talking for some time about the Chinese nationals coming across the border. He, he has evidence to suggest that they are special military operations people. That is not to uh, discount the Cubans and the Hezbollah and even the Russian Spetsnaz that have been probably coming across the border for some time as well. But um, yeah, we, we, we've got to understand what this is and we've got to look at the leadership in the White House. Now, would any real patriotic president be allowing any of this to happen? Of course not. And actually, you made a point earlier, you know, we uh, people will often say, well, this wouldn't happen if Trump was president. But it's true. I don't think Russia would have dared to invade Ukraine because they understood who Trump was. And China is utterly emboldened by Biden being president because, as you mentioned earlier, he's he's a controlled asset of China. He's he appears to be a controlled asset of China. He is receiving money by the millions. He's not going to stand up to them. So we're, we're watching this just sacrifice of the American homeland and no one's speaking up because Biden is president and he gets to decide policy, I guess. I mean, well, the media gets to decide who says, you know, who says what. But you, you think about this, okay, Biden, uh, the debacle in Afghanistan, okay, a, over a year ago. Uh, Biden pulls out the troops prematurely, um, accelerates the troop withdrawals, the Taliban takes over, there's a massive humanitarian disaster, and everybody's talking about the incompetence of the Biden administration, how stupid this was, how could anybody be so dumb as to withdraw the troops uh, prematurely to allow this to happen? But what if it was deliberate? What if it was handing China a huge country in Central Asia that was formerly the buffer between China and India. It was a big American presence there. 
So when China, if China was going to attack the Pacific, they had to worry about Afghanistan and all the military there on their western border. Now they don't have to worry about that. A plus $800 billion worth of American military technology, plus, I believe, the technology for making genuine U.S. military IDs. It'd be interested to see if any of those IDs were now turning up in the pockets of some of these Chinese nationals crossing the, the, southern, crossing border. the southern border. Oh my gosh. You know, I'm glad you made that point, and I say it often on the show, but the Biden administration get, does a lot of things. They get kind of a, they get a pass because people will say, well, you know, it was not, it was poorly planned. Uh, it was an unintended outcome. Even about not enforcing a southern border, they act like they couldn't figure out what would happen if they didn't enforce the southern border. And the, or they couldn't figure out what happened, or what would happen um, if they, they gave statements about, well, go, you know, if there's a small incursion to Ukraine, we'll leave you alone. Everything they do is intentional. The pulling out of Afghanistan, the abandonment of the southern border, the weaponizing of COVID against the American people, everything they do is intentional. Look, if this was stupidity, wouldn't they make a mistake in our favor once in a <laughs> once in a blue yeah. moon? Yeah. Just on the law of averages, if it was just stupidity, sometimes it would turn out okay. But it's every way, every action of the Biden administration has damaged America's national security or America's standing in the world, or America's borders, or America's economic well-being. You can't think of one positive thing that has actually strengthened America that I can think of since Biden's come to power. I'm sure there's one somewhere. I, I'm not aware of it as well. Um, I will say Frank Gaffney, our mutual friend Frank Gaffney, had used the expression at some recent event, the Biden administration is just a wrecking ball to yeah. America's foreign policy, wrecking yeah. operation, to everything. And you know, on that subject, even their domestic policy, which I don't want to go into detail today, but nothing about their domestic policy helps America. It doesn't help anyone. It just, it is a further just evisceration of our society, of our of our cohesion as a society. So, um, you know, it's a funny thing. When I, when I knew you were coming here, I didn't um, know that this Blinken meeting was going to have happened. Right. Um, so we had other things to talk about, which I do want to get to, uh, including your, your books. But um, I, as a segue to your books and what you write about in terms of helping people wake up and recognize the Russian communism, CCP's communism, the communist ideology infecting America. Um, we, I, I'd love to have you start, even though it's now the third time I've asked you to tell the story, but I love you telling the story of how in New Zealand you came to recognize the way at least the Russian communists, what they did, how they did their invasion of New Zealand's thinking. Okay, okay. Well, look, back in 1984, which shows how old I am, I was a young, young guy, and, you know, Amer you know, New Zealanders loved Americans because we were saved during World War II by the American military. And the, they saved us from Japanese invasion, okay? So America, you know, and New Zealand is in a military alliance with Australia and the United States called ANZUS, the Australia-New Zealand-United States Military Alliance. And we were pretty happy about that. Well, in 1984, we elect a socialist Labour government and they ban nuclear warships from our harbors. And as the only nuclear warships coming to our harbors were American, that destroyed the Australia-New Zealand military alliance. It's still destroyed. Now, I campaigned against that. I was disgusted by it. And during those campaigns, 
I met a New Zealander, his name was John van der Ven, he was a Dutch New Zealander, who had infiltrated the New Zealand Communist Party, the Socialist Unity Party, for our security services. He was a government agent inside the Communist Party. And, and October 1983, he was sent to Moscow for training as a communist. Pretending to be a communist. Pretending yeah. to be a communist. He was, he was sent to Lenin's Institute for Higher Learning on Leningradsky Prospect, Mox, uh, Moscow, near the Metroport. And it was a big czarist mansion. There were three and a half thousand students there from all over the world. They were taught trade union agitation, racial agitation, how to manipulate governments. And that was where they planned New Zealand's anti-nuclear legislation. And see, they had 16 experts on New Zealand alone. They had psychologists, historians, sociologists, religious experts. And they knew this, they knew that, that to get New Zealand out of ANZUS, and then the bigger game was the Soviets were trying to destroy NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, so they could invade Europe. And they were explicit about this. Um, but they were, Reagan and Thatcher were too tough. So they thought we'll take New Zealand out of the anti-nuclear alliance, out of the nuclear alliance, that will encourage the European peace movement. That's what this thinking was. Yep. And so they knew that America, New Zealanders loved America, so it couldn't be an anti-American campaign. It couldn't be get the Yanks out, we don't want Yanks here, get the, get the dirty nukes out of New Zealand. It had to be New Zealanders standing for an independent foreign policy, New Zealanders standing against the nuclear arms race, New Zealanders standing up against the bullies of the world, you know? It was a pro-New Zealand, patriotic, we're the, we're, the, we're the best type of campaign. And they went and they ran that campaign through the New Zealand Peace Movement, which they controlled, through New Zealand Labour Movement, which they controlled, and through the New Zealand Labour Party, which they had heavily infiltrated. And in a few months, they got that legislation passed and destroyed a military alliance. And not one New Zealander, probably in five million, realizes, has any idea that that legislation was planned in Moscow. Not one idea. I think that was the most extraordinary story, and I'm, I know I've actually repeated it three times now, and I probably will again tonight when you're speaking again. But that concept, because so many things happen in the world, and the average person, even intelligent and educated and engaged, you don't necessarily see the things that happen in your country and, and or policy changes as having been agitated and orchestrated behind the scenes. And your particular this example, this is Russia using the their their agitation planning and policy the then communist Russia using their agitation and planning to essentially destroy New Zealand's strength by pulling you out of the, the Australian yeah. New Zealand and, and getting people all on board. No, as you said, no one's saying we hate America because the people wouldn't have said no, we don't. But they yeah. said, you know, we're going to stand. It is, it's brilliant psychology. Absolutely. Well, you, you, you look at Obamacare. That is a communist policy. See, this is how it works. And this is what, what John Van Der Ven told me. If you're in Canada and you have a liberal government, the policies they enact come from Russia and China. If you're in Britain and you have a Labour government, the policies they enact come from Russia and China. If you're in America and you have a democratic government, 
the policies that they bring in come from Russia and China. And this is how it works. The Chinese will come up with a policy. It might be, say, a nuclear deal with Iran. They'll give it, they'll train American communists in this policy. The American communists will go home and they will train the labor unions in this policy. And the labor unions will make it Democratic Party policy. That's the system. Because all of the labor unions in America now, everybody affiliated affiliated to the AFL-CIO is effectively under communist control and they are loyal to China, not the United States. So that's how they implement their policies. Communist policy becomes labor union policy becomes Democrat policy. That's where Obamacare came from. That's where open borders came from. That's where the nuclear deal with Iran, with Iran came from. That was the, where the end of energy independence came from. That's where the propaganda in the schools come from, comes from. That's where the wokeism in sports come from, comes from. It all comes from foreign sources filtered through American organizations into the leadership of the Democratic Party and by osmosis into some of the Republican Party. Okay, I want to explore more of that in a moment. I think that is, it is so eye-opening. As I mentioned, you gave that speech last night, so eye-opening to understand this is what happens. Because as one example, in fact, I want to turn to this in a minute, but, you know, we've talked in the show before about the Black Lives Matter movement, and it seemed to emerge on the American scene, at least to the awareness of most people, after the uh, incident with George Floyd in Minneapolis, although it had roots before, had begun before that. But most Americans didn't know a thing about it, and they assumed it was organic like this is actually a rising up of people who are unable to they just can't stand America anymore they've been so mistreated and many people even were thinking well America's not that bad you're, you're a little bit overreacting but to see Black Lives Matter in this context what you're just hearing from Trevor Loudon that everything radical leftist that happens in this country comes from the communists so let's go yeah. back talk about Black Lives Matter please yeah. well Black Lives Matter started in 2012 it was organized by Opal Tometi Alicia Garza and Patrice Kalurs. And it was a young man got killed in Florida and they were just so appalled by this. They thought up a hashtag and it went viral and started a movement. All of this is complete lies. This was well thought out. All of those three women were affiliated with a group called the Freedom Road Socialist Organization, a pro-Chinese communist party. Now, Alicia Garza was longtime friends with a young man called Alex Tom. They were student radicals together at UC San Diego in the 90s. He became the head of the Chinese Progressive Association in San Francisco. This is a big community organizing group set up by Maoist students to promote communist China in California. He became the head of this. He funded Alicia Garza. He set up a group called Asians for Black Lives. They wrote the Black Lives Matter manual. He introduced Alicia and her friends to his networks all around America. I have a, when uh, Ferguson erupted, the Ferguson riots erupted in 2014, Alex Tom and some of his friends left communist China where they were at the time and went to Ferguson to help that uh, insurrection. That was run by Liberation Road. That was Chinese communists doing this. And they brought 10,000 people from out of state to burn that area. I have on tape Alex Tom talking about his loyalty to the Chinese Communist Party, 
how his job is to protect China by taking down President Trump, and how he runs his messaging past the Chinese consulate before he does anything. He is the man behind Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter was run out of the Chinese consulate in San Francisco. It's completely a Chinese operation, 100% a Chinese operation. I know I feel like I get around this question with you so often when we talk, but I, I mean, I, this is why you're just an extraordinary, uh, you're just a gift to uh, the American people and people around the world who want to know the truth about things. But I always get to the question. So, you know, you have this, this lineup, you have communists uh, in China or Russia, or now mostly China, uh, getting their, training their people, then they talk to the labor unions, and they in turn talk to the Democrats. What percentage, I mean, I would think the average, for example, average school teacher who's forced to join a union because you know, she can't have a job, she doesn't know this, I assume. I mean, I assume there are many members of labor unions of all kinds who, who don't know where this is all coming uh, from. Is that course, true or not? Of, of, 100%. Like, remember the Women's March in Washington after Trump? When all these, a million women wearing stupid hats, yes. right? Well, that march was organized by the Communist Party USA and Liberation Road. They had Judith LeBlanc of the Communist Party USA as a main speaker. It was a completely communist organized operation. And I guarantee you, 98% of those million women who marched would have no idea, You're none right. at all. No idea. And the same with most of these young Black Lives Matter kids. You have, I could have given the FBI a list of 100 leaders of Black Lives Matter. That if they'd arrested those people or taken them off the streets, the whole thing would have gone, would have ended. But they, they didn't want to do that. They didn't it, looked, want to it, it. Was, it was a movement that killed people, burnt cities, caused billions of dollars worth of damage, basically organized by about 100 pro Chinese communists in this country. Okay, we're going to, I want to make sure we hit one other huge aspect because this, this, I am enthralled by these. Uh, revelations. And I wanted to share with our listeners, uh, we're going to turn to talking about some uh, books and films that Trevor Loudon has made. And one reason I want to do this is because you can he read these things and hear these things about, you know, Chinese influence and getting into labor unions and getting the Democrat Party. But how far and wide the communist ideology has come in invading America and having people sitting in our government who are actually have their allegiance to communist ideology, if not the CCP itself, I just think, I'm telling you, it's not 1% of America who understands this, and they wouldn't tolerate it if they did. And um, I just wanna, uh, actually wanna start with your books, because I'll tell you, my very fine friends, I think last time you were on the show, because I know I have these at home, uh, last time you were on the show, we talked about your books. Uh, there it was a two-part series called Security Risk Senators. and. Uh, if you did not order this book last time, uh, Trevor Love was on the show, that I urge you to do that. Order this book, give it and go to Amazon, you can order it there. Anyway, Security Risk Senators, and so this is part two, Michigan to Wisconsin, part one was whatever the other states are, uh, Alabama to something, Minnesota, no, anyway. Yeah, Minnesota, I think. To, okay. I think it was Arizona to Minnesota. Okay, yes. but the gist of it is, what this book does, it takes individuals uh, who are actually in the Senate, not people who thought about running one time, people serving one of the 100 seats in the United States Senate, and it is Trevor Loudon digging in, doing research, uh, and coming up with 
direct connections between these people serving the United States Senate and some aspect of communism, whether it's the uh, Chinese Par Communist Party of America, CPUSA, whether it is the CCP, other organizations that are spinoffs coming out of China, funded by China uh, and communism. And they're sitting in the United States Senate. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm floored every time I think about this, because now these books are out. You would think the people in those states would say, hey, wait a minute, we elected a communist? We didn't mean to do that. Let, let's change our mind. So that was the books I urge you to get there. The other one that is your newer ones we're going to start talking about now. This is the first one, part one of however many it's going to be. Six. How, six. six? Okay. Part one. This is members of U.S. Congress, House on Americans. Part one, Alabama to California. So just rock and roll a little bit. Tell us about this first one or, and what's coming. Yeah, well, it's gonna be six books in this series, all alphabetical, I'll go through the states. So There'll be about 100 members of Congress profiled with their ties to the CCP, to Iran, to the Communist Party USA, to Democratic Socialists of America, other Marxist groups. And I, my thesis is this, you got about 100 members of Congress who sit on all the key important committees, um, Homeland Security, um, Armed Services Committee, etc., who are loyal to enemies of America. Like Benny Thompson, who was head of the Homeland Security Committee, he ran the January the 6th farce, as you know, the, uh, the witch hunt against people who got selfies taken on, on the Capitol Hill. Well, that man used to be involved with the Republic of New Africa, which killed cops. They were a Black Panther group that killed police. He was involved with Communist Party USA, involved with the Communist Workers' Party, involved with Democratic Socialists of America. I'm sorry, this is Benny Thomas. The, Benny Thompson, who was Thompson. the head of the Homeland Security <sighs> Committee. He went to Cuba in 2000 and did a deal with Fidel Castro, the communist leader, to give the, for the Cubans to give scholarships to over 150 young American communists to train for seven years in Cuba in medicine and spreading communism. Many of them the sons and daughters of, young, of, of Communist Party USA members. Now those people are all over the United States stirring up trouble. Benny Thompson did this. He should be investigated by Homeland Security, not chairing the committee. But this is defense, this is armed services, this is judiciary committee, this is all of the committees in Congress and all of the committees in the US Senate are heavily infiltrated by enemies of the United States. You know, this is so staggering, and I feel like I say this every time we have this conversation. I find it so staggering that you have researched this, you have footnotes, you point to it. You're not just speculating based on something someone said sounds like they might be a communist. Their actual affiliations, actions, involvement, uh, membership in, in organizations, and, and they're sitting in Washington making policy, and all of us sit in America thinking, you know, that, well, we're not communists. That's, you know, maybe there's a few loopy people like AOC. She's a member of the Democrat Socialist and maybe Bernie Sanders because he's basically a communist. But we think the rest of the country of the government's pretty safe and they're, they're kind of like us. But I want to ask you, so I, I mentioned the senator's book and I, I, when you were here before we went through, we, we randomly picked a few senators. I don't want to do it right now except to say, so you've written up these people and you write their background and you put their name, their picture, what state they're from and you rock and roll and talk about them. How many of these people have sued you for defamation? Zero. Zero? Why would that be? Well, because it's an absolute defense for defamation in law. 
truth. If you're telling the truth, you cannot be sued. It's a complete defense of defamation, correct? Yeah, yeah. To slander, libel. Well, you're yeah. a lawyer. You know this. Yes. So, so look, what, as a foreigner, would I come to a, a foreign country and say you've got 40 senators working for the other side and 100 U.S. congressmen who couldn't pass a background check to drive a school bus? <laughs> would, I, would I say that if I didn't have the evidence to back it up? One would think not. I've yes. been doing this for 10 years. I've spoken to over a thousand audiences. I've written six books. I've done two major documentaries. I've called out dozens of these people with their communist, their um, subversive, their Chinese affiliations. Not one of them has ever challenged it, let alone sued me. You know, it is, I mean, so then you get to wondering, I, I, I feel like I ask you the same questions all the time, but you get to wondering, so these books came out about the senators, now you're doing the House members. So what if you are a straight arrow, you know, conservative, apple pie, July 4th, loving American, and you're in Congress and you realize the guy in the next office, he's a communist, and he's affiliated with the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, wouldn't you think they would speak up and say this is on American? I mean, you never hear anyone in power questioning the presence of these people in our government. Yeah. Well, look, when Michelle Bachman tried to attack Keith Allison, who yeah. has extensive communist and Islamist ties, the Republicans attacked her. They didn't go after Allison. They attacked her for saying it. Right. You know, when, when Alan West called out, named, called out saying there was 100 communist-affiliated members in Congress, the Republicans attacked him. Because they do not, they are so paranoid about being called McCarthyist or whatever. Look, you can have a hammer and sickle tattooed on your forehead, and most of them wouldn't call you a communist. They'd say, oh, that's pretty. Well, it is actually a very good point, and it is really tied to the larger point you're making, the way that Russia worked on figuring out how they're going to get New Zealand to basically reject nuclear weapons and pull them out of the, the deal with America and Australia. They are mind manipulators, they're thought yeah. manipulators. And so in America, you're very right, in America today, the average person, I mean, the title of your book, House on American, there was so much vile uh, spewing hatred toward Joseph McCarthy for holding hearings by the House on american Committee trying to say there's a bunch of communists in this country, we should be worried about it. Somehow the, man, the leftists in this country managed to manipulate thought. So still now, decades later, people are afraid to say, yeah. you know, they, they don't want, they think, oh, maybe the specter of McCarthy and I'll be called that again, versus what about your patriotism yeah. and your defense of yeah. the country? But you think one of the most powerful weapons the communists have in the, this country, it's words, McCarthyist, homophobe, transphobe, Islamophobe, um, climate change denier, um, global warming denier, um, election denier. All of these are communist slogans designed to shut up their opposition. And too many Republicans have fallen for this. You know, when, Miss, when Mike Gallagher was challenging um, criticizing some of his fellow congressmen for their links to China. He didn't get a, very recently, he didn't get a lot of backup from the Republican Party leadership. You know, they didn't want to know about it. They, they basically told him to settle down. Well, and and they, they, he was talking about Judy Chu. You know, Judy Chu has got a 40-year history with the, with the Communist Workers' Party, the most militant pro-Chinese Communist Party in the country. She basically runs the Chinese community in Southern California for the CCP. 
But when Mike Gallagher raised issues about her, and another, there was another congressman that did as well, he didn't get support. They didn't get support from the GOP hierarchy. They were basically told to shut it and calm down. You know, and I don't know whether it's the GOP hierarchy. I mean, there are probably some people who've got enough affiliation with something connected to communism or China or Russia. They, they don't want to have people turning the spotlight on them. Maybe that's one motive. But it's also that we have lost in America the um, used expression last night. I think we have to make communism dirty again, make socialism Absolutely. dirty. Just, you know, a part of what they're concerned about is if I say, you know, she's a communist, you might get a lot of her voters say, so, like, are you complaining? What's the problem with that? It's it, just it's, another way of expressing political views, is it not? The fact that it's killed over 100 million people and caused untold chaos and misery beyond anything else, be, way even beyond the Nazis. But, but it should be socially acceptable in America today. We should have it running Congress. We should have it in our colleges. That's okay, is it? Yeah, it is, it is a truly amazing thing. Uh, we're going to end up running out of time, and I want to uh, quickly talk about, I talk about your books. I mentioned your films. I, what, do you remember when this came out, Enemies Within? Within? Yeah, that was, late, that was late 2021. Okay, and this one, Enemies Within, was earlier. Yeah, it was, it was about 2016. Okay, this one, I think we played it at our house. We had people over to play. Anyway, two great, in, uh, really informative documentaries. One, this is called uh, Enemies Within, and you recognize that charming lady on the cover. In fact, uh, it's actually uh, Hillary and Barack. Um, and then this one is more recent, Enemies Within the Church. And this is literally, really laying out how the uh, communist invasion of America, the ideological invasion, isn't just you know getting political parties or elected uh, representatives to push certain policies or push slogans that they want people to use. It's really within the church as well, the Christian church in America, uh, where you have more and more pressure on churches and pastors and congregations to kind of push the social justice agenda, you know, don't be judgmental, you know, love is a whole thing, there's no such thing, don't, don't worry about what the Bible says is right or wrong, you know, love is a whole answer, is essentially depriving the American people of the depth of Christianity. Yeah. I know you, you can say well, something. Well, I just, I just want to say, what we call the woke church, we talk about woke church, woke business. Woke, wokeism is basically Maoist consciousness raising. You know, communism has morphed way beyond the workers will take the wealth of the capitalists. Now it is about um, that the oppressed peoples of color will 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 end racism by taking away the power of the of the white capitalist masters. It's about transgenderism. Transgenderism is the new minority that is oppressed by the majority. It's the the radical gay movement. It's the environmental movement. So we got to understand this. Most churches now have adopted some form of wokeism. This is Maoism. They, these are Christian churches talking about critical <laughs> race theory and their white privilege and social justice and ending global warming. These, this is Maoism. You go into a lot of churches, you won't hear anything about the Old Testament. You won't hear anything about hell or repentance, but you will hear a lot about your white privilege. You will hear a lot about social justice. You're being taught Marxism. You're being taught Maoism masquerading as Christianity. Yep. And this is, this is infecting churches and Bible colleges all over the country. 
Yeah, you're actually, your film hits on that, Bible Colleges, too. It's yeah. amazing. Okay, only because I want to make sure we hit these topics very briefly. Among the things you uh, talked about last night, I thought were really important to understand, there's a battle right now about the World Health Organization and whether or not, you know, the Biden administration is trying as hard as they can to surrender American sovereignty to the World Health Organization, let them be in charge, you know, kind of so we can all work together uh, is the argument. So we have the next you know, pandemic come along or next some other big uh, catastrophe. And we have, they, the mission is to cede America's sovereignty uh, to the World Health Organization. Tell us quickly how, uh, who's running that place. World Health Organization is run by Mr. Tedros of Ethiopia, who is not a medical doctor. He is a former leader of Ethiopia's pro-Chinese Communist Party. China put him into that position because he's loyal to China, not because he's a medical doctor. The World Health Organization has a behavioral modification unit. This is a unit run by psychologists and psychiatrists to message, tailor the messaging so that you will comply with their dictates come the next pandemic. So will you will accept the medicines they enforce or the masking or the social distancing or the vaccinations, you will accept it. The head of that unit is Susan Mickey from the Communist Party of Britain. And she is completely pro-China. She is in their pocket. She was known as the mask. She advised Boris Johnson on his lockdowns in Britain. And she was known as the mask Nazi. That you would have, to, and according to her, we may have to wear masks for the rest of our lives. She was so extreme in the Communist Party, the other communists used to call her Stalin's nanny. And she was it's not an ex-communist, she's still a leading member of the British Communist Party. So the next pandemic, if Biden has his way, every aspect of American public health response will be dictated by the World Health, World health Organization, not our own government. And that will be run by Mr. Tedros and Susan Mickey and the Chinese Communist Party. I'm going to add to that, you know, what they talk about as well. This is, you know, we have to have a coordinated response to pandemics. They spread all over the world. They've already talked about the World Health Organization, other threats that are, you know, not pandemics or not viruses, but, you know, actually climate change is considered yeah. to be, go ahead. Well, well, um, gun ownership in America is considered yeah, a public Yeah, gun ownership, that's going to be a World Health thing. That's a world, a world Health Organization could theoretically tell you that America has to take the guns away from people because it's a public health issue. Um, opposition to transgenderism could be a public health mm. issue. So this is basically ceding American authority over a whole bunch of issues to the World Health Organization, which is a front for the Chinese Communist Party and controlled by two leading publicly known communists. This is not, you can look Susan Mickey up on Wikipedia. You can look uh, Tedros up on Wikipedia. Their communism is, is out there, it's known. Okay, I will tell you that, um, Trevor Loudon, every time I have you in the show, I I'll, first of all, I think we need two hours. I want people just barely skimming the surface of what they're learning from you. And I do think it just wakes people up, your eyes are open, and then you, you, know, you get to where you think you wanna know what we should do about that. But we have to save that for another day because we're almost out of time. 
First, I need to thank Brighteon TV. I'm so grateful that Brighteon TV picked up the show. You can go to Brighteon, which is B-R-I-G-H-T-E-O-N, Brighteon.com. All their shows are listed there. This is the best one, but there are many other shows listed there. Um, and I am very grateful they carry this show. And we're soon going to be carrying products that they uh, provide. So you can order from their store, Brighteon Products. This is a this is a uh, a mission-based endeavor. Brighteon is not about making money. They don't make money. They simply are very much like I am in doing my show. They do what they do. Brighteon.com and Brighteon TV, Brighteon Radio, they do what they do to try to save America, to wake up the hearts and minds of millions of Americans to what's really going on. They, they, they go right around mainstream media, propaganda media that will never tell you the truth about anything. Carry shows like mine. I'm very grateful for them. Soon I'll be telling you more about the products that they offer. Okay, at the end of every show, I tell you why. And we only had, we, we didn't get to my other two topics, but you know, I'm actually thrilled that we didn't. We had one topic we all got to. And so we talk at the end of the show um, every day about why the stories we talked about today matter to you. We only have one to share with you. So at the very beginning um, of the show, which seemed like an hours ago, um, we talked about uh, the... Uh, the remarks made by Blinken, um, Blinken spill. I love. I just love. I thought of that alliteration. Blinken spills Biden's China beans. So Blinken in China says the U.S. is not in favor of Taiwan's independence. Uh, just like Biden saying a minor or limited incursion by Russia into Ukraine is not a problem. Biden cabal greenlighted Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Biden cabal now greenlighting CCP invasion of Taiwan. Uh, per Sam Fattis on this show, Joe Biden is a controlled asset of the Chinese Communist Party. And if you just ask Representative Comer uh, how much money has made its way into the Biden family coffers from the CCP, will elected leaders in America ever care enough to impeach and remove Biden? I don't know about that. Biden is sleepwalking the free world into a thousand years of darkness, and the Uniparty seems unconcerned. Rescuing humanity depends on American patriots and divine providence. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Or you tune in Thursday of this week, we have a brilliant guy named Mark Morano. He is the founder of Climate Depot. He worked formerly for the uh, for Rush Limbaugh, which had to have been fun. Also worked uh, as a senior advisor in the United States Senate on a committee which, whose name I don't have in front of me, but that dealt with the environment. In short, he is going to just thrill us with tons of information related to the climate change hysteria, uh, very much tied into some of the things we talked about today. See, climate change is another vehicle used by leftists to urge and, and convince Americans to surrender their uh, autonomy, surrender their sovereignty, surrender their freedom. You know, pretty soon you'd be told you can't have your gas stove and you'd live in a 15-minute city. And you might be thinking, well, that's not going to happen in America. Wait till you hear what Mark Morano has to say. And also some basic truths about whether we should all be as frightened about alleged climate change alarmism, climate change disaster around the corner, when you understand the volume of CO2 in the Earth's atmosphere long before uh, machines and long before people, long before airplanes and cars, and then you realize there's no connection between CO2, volume of CO2, and temperature, you ought to begin to wonder why uh, why these arguments are made by the uh, climate change alarmists who are using climate change as they used COVID to try to convince you to surrender your freedom. 
I urge you to tune in on Thursday to that show and tune in every single day, Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk. And go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. Every interview, show, blog post, every why it matters, everything we do is right there at americacanwetalk.org. Tune in Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to my show because I speak truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you?